Hey, you hear the music. By now, you know what that means. It's the What's Right show with Sam and Ash here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. I even got Ash to smile just now, which is... <laughs> it's impressive, considering today's not, circumstances. Yes. Does not always work. Welcome back. Happy Monday. Uh, your dog did not want to wake up this morning. I, <laughs> I, had him, I had him last night over at the house. Uh we all, all Ash, is, Ash has a, a weenie dog named Rocky, who of course is a mascot here at the company, also our company CEO. And uh, I have two weenie dogs, so they get together occasionally for play dates. And they had one it's called a weenie fest. <laughs> so weenie fest. So they had them all all day at my house for the most part, and then he spent the night. And then this morning, I had to take him to work to hand him over here for the um, to transfer custody back to Ash. And um, and he just slept the whole way in the car. He was um, not ready to come to work. Yeah, he's more of a night dog. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, um, I don't know, I can't even make the right transition here. This is breaking news today. And because we are live and local and because these things matter, we're, we're getting to the story here. Damon Arnett was cut by the Raiders after his threatening gun video surfaced. This was last week. We saw him put out a video uh, threatening to shoot unnamed people. He was brandishing several different high-powered weapons. I know a thing or two about guns. One of the guns I didn't even recognize, some kind of bizarre. Anyway, crazy video came out. Ash, what do you make of this? You know, it's interesting. I saw this, and it's just another sign of poor judgment among Raider players right now. And so it's it's really kind of a sad epidemic that's going through that organization and I wonder why they think this is okay or why they think they'll get away with it especially in light of what the organization and all the scrutiny they've been under in the last few weeks with the Henry Ruggs crash it's impressive the lack of judgment someone could have to do this this is the he's 25 years old he would he was drafted the same year Henry Ruggs was drafted correct 19th overall so it's a desirable yeah. Draft pick. A few picks after Henry Ruggs. I've seen some of his plays. He's a he, he's a talented player, but he has absolutely. I mean, I, I think he must have been high or on, I would hope he was under the or drunk or drunk when he was making this video, and it it goes to show you folks how just one bad decision, couple bad decisions pieced together. You leave the house. Oh, you don't even have to leave the house. You can, Here, you can yeah. use social media and totally destroy your life in a heartbeat. So the Raiders right now, as an organization, seem to be on a zero tolerance kick for uh, kick for shenan- shenanigans, um, and rightfully so. I just think it reflects really poorly on Vegas, or re- certainly reflects poorly on on the Raiders to have this happen over and over again. What's the joke now? In the what's what's going to happen next week? Yeah. For the Raiders. Yeah. And of course it happened in Vegas. And they're blaming the, all these faults on the players on their fact that they moved to Vegas. And that's not fair. That's not that's not right at all. Um, the, the decision making of each one of these players and the poor decision making, I'll say, has nothing to do with the team and the organization relocating from Oakland here to our city. And don't you agree? No, I do. I Of course. I, yeah, I agree. And I I think yeah. Now, question: Do you think if this yeah. hap- if this post happened two weeks ago, pre Henry Ruggs, he would have been immediately let go? Or well, he wasn't immediately let go. This thing came out what last week, so he. I mean, it took a few days. Uh, news broke today that they let him go. I assume it, the decision came either you know over the weekend or, or early today. 
So uh, no, I think I think it's unacceptable, and I don't think that in this. I don't think you can post videos threatening to kill people and still be kept in any kind of organization. So I, I, that in and of itself was not particularly, um, I, I, I think, you know, surprising. I actually thought the, the news that was more heartening that came from the Raiders, and, and you probably have missed this. Most of us missed this because it just kind of was a, a subtle thing that came out over the weekend. I believe after the game, Max Crosby was another player. He was – he came out and he said that apparently he had been thinking a lot about the news post-Rugs, post the crash that happened a week ago tomorrow. And he's talking about uh, how he apparently got into a DUI crash in college, explaining that's why he's been two years sober, refusing to drink alcohol or do drugs. Um, and I, and you know, I guess he he had that DUI, and then he did some major self-reflecting, and he's thankful. He said in that interview, he's thankful he got a second chance to turn his life around, mm-hmm. which I think certainly is a, a very relatable. I think a lot of people this past week have done a lot of reflecting about some you know poor choices that that they have maybe done, and 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 um, and certainly realizing the difference between. You know, driving drunk and 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 killing somebody or hurting somebody and not as just circumstances and to some degree luck. Uh, and I, I think everybody's looking at this, you know, the events of last week as a as a cautionary tale. So continuing that story, Max Crosby, yeah, talking about how he basically got into a crash in college, mm-hmm. DUI, and chose to to be sober and has continued that for two years now. And that and that's the real reason why we continue to talk about this subject is what's the point? And the point is we need to all take a step back and we need to realize that our decisions have consequences and that we will be held responsible for those, whether criminally or civilly. Here, this Damon Arnett, he's going to face... He's facing civil charges for a car crash he caused two years ago or a year ago. And so what we really want to get across here is your choices matter. And they and these headlines you see in the RJ or any newspaper that you're reading in the morning and any news story you hear, those are real lives. And you're a decision away from being on either side of that story. And so we need to consciously make decisions that are better. We need to do better. And we need to hold each other accountable. And what I'm looking at the Raiders organization, and I'm going, look, sometimes you need to clean house and you need to get rid of bad actors. And, and it looks like, look, they got, they're getting rid of Gruden. They got rid of Henry Ruggs. You know, they're getting rid of this guy, Damon Arnett. And so who's next? And the real sad part is last year, earlier this year in January, Josh Jacobs, toward the end of the season, he had a single vehicle accident where over by McCarran. You remember this? I do. Yeah. At like four in the morning. He did not exceed the BAC requirement. He blew or his test results were below 0.08. And so he's not getting charged with a DUI, but he should have been in that locker room telling everyone, look, I got a scar on my forehead and I all I hurt was my own car and my own criminal record. You can hurt other people and you might not be as lucky. Don't be me. And it didn't happen. Instead, He's getting misdemeanor charges and now looking at all of his teammates that are now cut from the team and have made life-altering decisions for themselves and people in our community. I – maybe he, he did tell that to people. We don't know. Um, it's possible. But I, I – some of this also is just bad behavior that goes that – that's not exclusive to alcohol and driving. I don't know if you saw this, but now coming out or we're being reminded that Damon Arnett had 
been there were two private previous lawsuits that he was in that were ongoing. Uh, one related to a car crash where I guess he was going to the Raiders facility and missed the turn and decided last minute to whip around 65 miles an hour, smashed into a lady, crashed into her, caused her um, some pretty significant injuries. But the other issue that I think actually trumps all of this is that he's accused of spitting at a valet at the Aria. And see, if I'm the Raiders and there's a legit – and see, again, it'll depend, right? It's, a, it's an allegation. It hasn't been proven in court. I would presume there are witnesses. Surveillance video? Surveillance video. <laughs> Listen, if, if someone in our organization, if one of our attorneys – I don't care how important they are to the team. If I had corroboration that they spit on a waiter or spit on a valet person or anyone like – I'm any, any human being – Right, acted like that out and about in town. I think that's grounds for for immediate dismissal. It actually surprises me that the Raiders didn't act on that. And 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 again, assuming, I would say if there was any kind of evidence of this that was direct evidence that they could use to corroborate the event having happened, I mean that would be that would to me be immediate grounds for for, for termination. Yeah, I mean the the Raiders their slogan is commitment to excellence and right now we've seen a, a litany of stories that is very that are very far away from that and couldn't be further away. All right, I, I do still want to round up this this issue. I also we went to PBR. We did. And we loved it and saw a lot of bull. Z. Lots of bulls. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you about that when we come back. You're listening to The Wiss Right Show with Sam and Ash here on News Talk AM840 KXNT. Discover hundreds of exclusive music stations for music fans, built by music fans, only on Odyssey. Find your new daily groove or weekend mood on the Odyssey app, brought to you in part by Macy's, Geico, and Coke Zero Sugar. Hi, this is the What's Right Show with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT, your favorite two Las Vegas attorneys. You've seen them on the billboards. Now you get to hear them on the radio. <laughs> Yay. All right. By the way, news. I, I always want to circle back on these stories. Interesting stuff. Uh, news out of Europe. Sweden. If you'll remember, Sweden was the country that decided, no, we're not going to shut down. If you remember you know, everybody in Europe basically decided to go into hard lockdowns at the same time. Sweden, their public health officer said, no, you know, we're going to keep the country open and we're going to isolate older and vulnerable persons only. Mm-hmm. And that was their policy. So now we have some data, which is interesting that they had a uh, overall a lower COVID death rate, about 1,500 per million than the rest of Europe. The European average was around 1,800 per million. So about 300 uh, fewer deaths per million than the European average. Now, what is interesting is you might ask, what? how did the neighbors, right? How did Norway fare? How did Denmark fare? And they actually did significantly better. They are both also smaller, less populous countries. Uh, but uh, I believe they got somewhere around two and 300 million deaths, uh, excuse me, Hundred, two or three hundred deaths per million. Thank you, uh, which is uh, obviously significantly lower. Italy. Remember, Italy had the big explosion of COVID. They had rates well above two thousand uh, per million. 
uh, death rate. So these are this now we're getting an an eye into and an, an understanding of what mitigation measures, what impact they had, and well, some of this mitigation maybe statistically doesn't seem to have been made much of a difference, uh, which is it certainly has been true in Europe. I mean, Italy went into hard lockdowns. And I'm talking the the some of the European lockdowns, Italy's in particular, were way more stringent than anything any of us experienced here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were basically f- told to remain inside. There were tickets and arrests uh, made of people who left their homes. You had you had strict times that you had to be un- you had to be inside, essentially quarantined, and. You know, they still had had a runaway death toll in, in second and third waves. So it is interesting. You start to look at the graphs and all that, and you realize how little we know and all these experts that are telling us this is the solution. This is how we stop the spread. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> maybe not. So it's all a it's all a shifting of goalposts and i don't know whenever i see this it's remember i i my biggest gripe about all of the covid countermeasures was it was locked down to flatten the curve and then it was locked down to find the cure and i go this this just can't be but it is it's really fascinating to see the data play out and what we really need to continue to fight for is to have honest discussions about this data and what we learn from it so that we never make the same mistakes again and we don't repeat this bad behavior and we we adapt maybe we do need to lock down certain segments of the population the elderly maybe we need to do that better than we did Um, but what's critical moving forward is that we don't just play a blind put a blind eye and ear to all of this that we actually learn from it all yeah we're not but it's all of this ash is so – it's become so political. Really? Yeah. No, it's <laughs> – okay, you can make fun of me. It's – no, it's become political. You can't actually talk about science and statistics and data if it contradicts the official position of the government. And of and, and, and that's it's dangerous. Not, that's very dangerous. Of course it's dangerous, but that's uh, what we're finding, I think, is some of this data undermines – the legitimacy of many public health officers, not just Fauci here in this country and others here, but but even in Europe and in, in certainly in Australia, in, in New Zealand, they're being undermined by some of this, some of these results and 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 that they don't like it. And so all of a sudden you can't talk about this stuff uh, unless, you know, unless basically you're risking being labeled a you know a dis a disinform an agent of disinformation but remember how it's because their ego is tied into it their identity is tied into it they and that's the problem the money they're funding right i mean (laughs) i mean fauci the nih is funded by the government the more legitimacy they have as the as the solution to covid the more money they get and you got to follow the money trail with these people and i don't care republican democrat they're all in this complicit it, once you get these deep state guys involved i mean it's again i i'm always going to look at it critically i think what really matters is for us to our economy to come out of this mm-hmm. too you know it's mitigation mitigation is not something you do in a vacuum you have to consider all the factors all the costs and all the benefits and if here the data is showing well there's some benefit but not as much benefit as we thought. What's the thing that they're not talking about here? The the most important thing here on Sweden is 
that their economy is number one in mm -hmm. recovering in Europe. And that's what matters to us here. If we want our Nevada economy to recover, we've got to stop doing stuff that already didn't work once before. Because we shut down, we closed all the casinos, every single you know person working on the strip was declared non-essential, sent home, see you later. And did we stop the spread? Eh, okay, people, a lot, we still had a lot of deaths. Did we stop our economy? Yep, stone cold. And the, the effects of it, I don't think we felt the pain yet of the shutdown. And so, the, again, my biggest fear is we're going to have another, maybe an, a, a last wave come through, and the government's going to still do the same thing, right? It's just like we'll just do the same thing that yeah. didn't work and do it again. Yeah, and, that, and, we, and as an economy and as a community and as a state, we can't afford to have that happen. I mean, that's, it's not right. you got to live and learn, and you have to learn from your mistakes, and you can't have your political identity so wrapped up in your policy, like in your, in your stance on COVID or anything like that, that you ignore science and you no, ignore reality. You can't, you have to divide those two or else you'll just continue to repeat this insanity. Absolutely. No, no doubt. Now, speaking of mitigation insanity. measures and insanity, well, by the way, if there is a third wave or fourth wave now come of COVID from Las Vegas, it'll, it'll have happened because of PBR. The the minders at T-Mobile gave up the ghost as far as the masks were concerned. The Cowboys, it might surprise you to learn, were, were not masked. Neither were the Bulls, uh, and they were exhaling vigorously. Um, Ash, what did you think of the event? I loved it. These are the PBR yeah. finals, the world finals for on professional Sunday. bull riding. You know, I had gone a few months ago back to one of their regular events at MGM, and I was just taken aback by, you know, one, I had no idea what I was getting into, but the sport is unique and it's an interesting community in how tight knit it is. And I loved the values of it. It's very, um, support your troops, support the first responders. There was a, a prayer before at the beginning there's a big moment of silence and then they do they do the national anthem and you know people were video recording that and so i it's there's just something very grassroots and and good natured about it that i love and oh, there's some discussion about whether pbr will stay in nevada the way we understood it there at the event is that it will that the finals are going to stay here well, they're, they're definitely going to Fort Worth for, next for, year. For next year. I thought, I thought I heard that it was going to come back. And that's what I heard as well. But I now I haven't heard any official statement on that. But they're definitely, the PBR is coming out with a new format where they're, being, they're doing a team format. So there's going to be actual like riders and bulls on a team and they travel around and there will be a team to a region and that's going to be based in Vegas. So if you're wondering what this is all about, basically you get points for staying on a bull. And if you ask in how long does one have to stay on a buck and bull, it's eight seconds. You have to stay on, the, on, on him for eight seconds, and that seems very short, but it's basically an eternity. And this matters because this is one of our staples. We have a PBR bar on Las Vegas Boulevard, and this is an example. This event is an example of something we lost as a result of our COVID and our government's COVID protocols and policies. The event had to relocate. And so hopefully whatever comes back to T-Mobile related to PBR is equally as good and exciting because that's what we need. Absolutely. 100%. Okay. Ash. Yeah. 
the astral world human crush that occurred over the weekend, eight deaths, just a tragic, tragic story. Travis, Travis Scott's event. Let's talk about that. I think, you know, again, we have a lot of events that occur here and sometimes they get overcrowded and, uh, you know, probably people wondering, what do you do? What are the signs? How do you prevent something like this? Mm -hmm. And how do you prevent it from happening to you if you're right in the middle of everything? So you'll want to hear this when we come back. You're listening to What's Right with Sam and Ash on News Talk AM 840 KXNT. Alan Stock here. I'm a veteran radio broadcaster here in the Las Vegas area for over 22 years. What's Right with Sam and Ash is a show to listen to, something to not miss. Every weekday live for one hour starting at 2 p.m. right here on AM840 KXNT. You can also get more of Sam and Ash, my legal team, on my Vegas Today show every Tuesday morning at 8.30. So stay tuned in because you deserve what's right. The What's Right Show with Sam and Ash here on News Talk AM 840 KXNT, live and local broadcasting from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Actually, right smack dab in the middle of the Arts District. So great to be with you today. We have this uh, this crazy story about a concert, uh, Astro World. Uh, Travis Scott, uh, Friday night, Houston, Texas, there, there was uh, – uh, just eight people that were, I don't know how else to put it, trampled to death. Yeah, it was a stampede that had fatal consequences. And really what happened was is there was a this Astro World uh, festival, music festival, that what when Travis Scott, the headliner, the organizer with Live Nation, when he took the stage, he also took the stage with Drake. And as a result, the concert goers just went, legitimately crazy and they just were overrushed with this energy and they were pushing toward the stage and what really happened is a few people were getting caught up in a legitimate stampede it was a human stampede and and people were falling to the ground and then they were getting stepped on and as a result eight lives were lost there was dozens of people with injuries and just trauma because some people were witnessing it and trying to get the attention of anyone who could stop it and put a halt to the music because so Travis Scott's performing at the time and there are videos now surfacing where he you can see him like stop singing and look because he notices something there's distress in the crowd but then he doesn't do anything and what that's the biggest outcry and grievance against him is how does he justify looking into the crowd and his fans and seeing distress and and this these cries for help but then he doesn't do anything to stop it right now my understanding is that the crowd is already out of control before the event and that uh, this uh, that scott was you know he was egging the crowd on and getting people all riled up i understand right that there's as a performer you want to engage the audience but you also have a responsibility. We, we, this is not the first time something like this has happened. These, these stampedes can get kicked off, and especially where you have a facility like this that is set up in a way that allows pedestrian access in, in, in front of the stage. And so there's 50,000 people in attendance. Yeah, it was a lot of people. And, you know, the, the, some of the backlash that they're getting is they – um, their arguments are that they are they created this dangerous environment by using promotional videos that had 
chaotic clips of fans running and chasing after stages and Travis Scott even saying it's going to be dangerous out there, you know, thanks to everyone who pulled up to rage. And so he's he's inciting this type of frenetic en- energy. And I think I read somewhere today that the Houston police chief went to his trailer before he took the stage and said, you got to do something. There's going to be a problem. And part of that was they watched a bunch of fans jump over the gates of the entrance. You know, they were just bum rushing through the gates and not even letting tickets be taken. So the, the police chief's trying to let them know, like, this is a problem. Do something. You're the organizer. You're the headliner. You've done great things for this town. Don't let this be like a bad situation for you and and it turned out to not only be a bad situation for travis scott but eight people and then the dozens more that got hurt one of the consequences of disrespecting law enforcement is then in events like these look you actually have law enforcement that are trained and understand these situations that are giving warnings i'm telling and i again i don't know if this is the reason but it could very well be you know when you when you get into this when you get into this national attitude of of treating cops as as you know disposable and diminishing the benefit that law enforcement obviously has for for us and you know, in our safety you know then then law enforcement's pushed aside these security guards are in no way able were were equipped to handle this there either was not enough uh, bodies there, right? Enough, enough actual on-duty security guards for a crowd of fifty thousand, or they weren't adequately trained. And so, it, it kind of the thing I'm thinking of, right, is in this kind of circumstance. I would say, first off, if you have a organizer, a concert organizer, that is advertising risk and mayhem, don't go to that concert. It mm-hmm. might sound like fun, but you know, getting trampled is not fun. And it's a real potential. And it's a real potential. So that as a as a rule. Now, if you find yourself in this event, this is a, a very important thing. You've you've the best thing. Always look to see where your exits are. Always f- be somewhere where you are near an exit, because what'll happen is, and you look around you, you see that there are a lot of bodies around you and if you have no way out you could get stuck and you know usually these stages and i've been to a fair amount of customers in fact ash you went to uh, what is it rufus this weekend yeah rufus du sol at the vegas event center downtown vegas event center there you go now did you did you stay near an exit i was pretty close to an exit yeah there you go i had my my escape path if needed yeah and that is that is a critical thing. So, parents, if you've got kids who are going to concerts, you know, older kids, and they want to, they want to have a good time, have a good time, and, and be, give, give them this talk about about scoping out the exits because you've got to have, you've got to have some amount of strategy because you know remember that one show that grunge show that had the fireworks go off and it lit mm-hmm. the whole uh, venue on fire. Then there was a, another fire. Fire actually is a big thing at concerts. They'll rip through very quickly, if, even if there are no pyrotechnics and it's just you know some electrical issues and that kind of thing because there's a lot of foam sound editing foam and that stuff burns apparently very quickly Mm -hmm. so these are the type of things to watch out for and be aware of yeah and i mean when i was at my concert i was looking at it and there's always these gates that are designed to hold back crowds and i always am terrified of being someone in the front row because you know the the 
headliner, they take the stage and everyone wants to get closer and I don't want to be pinned on it. So there's there's so many things to consider when when going to these concerts to make sure that you're safe. But from a legal perspective, Travis Scott and Live Nation, they're facing a oh, whole he is screwed. Yeah. And I, the news is coming oh. out that he's trying to he's doing the right thing for PR to cover funeral expenses for those. Oh. But this is this is going it's to blood be money. Yeah, it's, it's blood money. And by the way, I would I would encourage you know always be careful if if you've somebody's done you wrong and they 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 seem like they're doing the right thing and when they offer you you know fifty grand for a funeral that's great but make sure you're not signing away any rights uh, because that it could come with strings attached uh, the, the the amount of wrongdoing there is there is responsibility on him there's responsibility on the entire Live Nation uh, organization the facility NRG Stadium. The, the crowd was rowdy. They knew they were rowdy beforehand. If there's a third-party uh, company that that has the security guards, for example, you know, a lot of times the security guards are not Live Nation employees. They're not NRG stadium employees. They're employees of another, the third-party company. That company's on the hook. And and in this type of instance, you've you've just got to. I, I, my heart goes out to these people. There and and again, not just the the families of the victims that that perish, but there are. To your point, there are dozens of grievously injured people that, I mean, are going to are, go, are going to be uh, suffering from this for for a great deal of time to come. Yeah, and so in, in these cases, they often hinge on how much the organizers, like Travis Scott and Live Nation, knew or had reason to expect a dangerous situation or a, like a mob type frenetic crowd, and whether or not if they were expecting it, then their duty is so much higher for them to prevent it. You can't know of a dangerous situation is going to occur and then don't do anything to remedy or or change it or make it safer. And that's what it sounds like they did. They not, they fueled this fire and then now there's all these consequences and they're, they're like you said, they're going to have to pay for it. Just so sad. So sad. So sad. Unavoidable. Um, yeah, I, I read that the youngest victim was 14. Which is my son's age, and I, I tell you, it's um, that hits close to home. Fourteen years old, what a waste! All right, when we come back, uh, I want to talk about this ridiculous Instagram post now deleted, but don't worry, we have it free. We can share it with you. Ireland Baldwin, who's the twenty-six-year-old daughter of Alec Baldwin. Uh, likening the Travis Scott Astroworld tragedy to the Rust movie shooting. Yeah, good thing she deleted this. What a moron. Don't go anywhere. Sam Rajofsky, Ash Watkins, Sam and Ash, what's right? Back after this. Make your mornings right. Glenn Beck at 6, Vegas at 8 with Alan Stock and Dana at 9. Breaking news, thought starters, and opinions for Southern Nevada. News Talk 840. KXNT. Stay connected. Salmonash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Salmonash Injury Law. They care. They help. You win. 702-820-1234 or SalmonashLaw.com because you deserve what's right. The What's Right Show with Sam and Ash back on air after a short break. Thank you for bearing with us. All right. Ireland Baldwin, who is a 20, what's 26, 27 year old daughter of Alec Baldwin, uh, went on Instagram. Uh, by the way, Instagram's not the place for the long diatribe. I it's feel like not. Instagram is the place for cute pictures. Go to Facebook. 
Yeah, right, right. So go go there and you know type out an essay. Here's what she wrote. Started off by saying, y'all are really killing me these days. That is a bad choice of words, girl. Considering, yeah. Considering the fact that then she goes on talking about this Astroworld crush where eight people were killed and likening the public's reaction to that to what happened to her dad, right, because it's all about Alec Baldwin when he shot and killed the uh, cinematographer using a gun that was lo- loaded with a real bullet. So she goes, what is this? Why are what, – what is this? They're professionals, the armorers. They, it's their fault. It's the concert organizers. How is it the star's fault? And it's so funny. Of course, she deleted this uh, because it's very stupid to put this up. Uh, but, but I think it's just I, – I, we are a, a nation built on personal responsibility. Yep. And the thing that just gets me over and over again is people are incapable of getting out there and saying, I messed up. I'm sorry. I need to make this right. It's on me. And there's this world where we just want to always pass the buck. It's not right. And I get that she's got to, you know, she wants to defend her dad and whatnot. Fine. Uh, but it's, you know, but I, it's just, it's Hollywood culture. And ironically, these, these, it's tone these, deaf. Yeah, these exactly that too. These musicians get up there and and, and screw up. These uh, actors get them screw up and 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 they and then they try to narrate you know shift the narrative to put blame on other people. When we just established going through this concert, it was that the performer himself was agitating the crowd, getting them riled up before putting up posts, promoting posts on his own personal social media of you know promising that the party was going to be wild and rough and watch out and you know and and get ready uh it's all but admitting that it was planned that it would be this mm-hmm. you know significantly unsafe event uh i think that that is um that, that this just not it's this is it doesn't look those all the rest of us we go to work we do our jobs we're held accountable yep we screw something up. We can't pass the buck. In fact, the further you go up in an organization, I don't have anybody I can pass the buck to. Maybe Rocky, you know. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, you and I don't have anybody to pass the buck to. Something doesn't happen here. It's on us. And and so this this to me just I think rubs me the wrong way. I think it rubs a lot of Americans the wrong way. It's not who we are. It's not um, not who we are here in Nevada. I think it's just not not the values that we. That we that we hold and cherish uh, and hold dear. Yeah, I don't think we can say personal responsibility enough during this show and on any of these subjects we're we're talking about because that's really what it comes down to. She's attacking the fact that she thinks everyone on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok is saying Travis Scott allowed these people to die, and she's saying that's not the case. And actually, it entirely is the case. He was on notice. He knew what kind of crowd it was going to be. He instigated this type of frenetic energy. And so, yeah, he did. And in the same way that her dad allowed to have a dangerous, low-budget film set and film crew um, and cut corners. And so, and and these decisions have consequences and they're painful and they're life-ending consequences sometimes. And so you have to face it and you have to be held accountable. And and so I'm not going to let her get away with it. You aren't either. And that's what we're here for. Yeah, $8,000, I think, was the totality of the contract, or maybe even $4,000. It was a very low number that Alec Baldwin was paying for the entire filming of the movie to the armory department, right? The people responsible for their guns. 
even if it was eight grand, I think it was four actually, but even if it was eight grand for months of filming, that is BS, BS. Yeah. So no wonder they put live bullets in a, in a gun that was being used on set. Okay. All right, do we have a Sammy on yeah, the spot today? Yeah, we do, and this one's kind of interesting. Uh, so the headline is, Will Smith, the actor, opened up about the moment his heart shattered when his son, Jaden Smith, asked to be illegally emancipated at 15 years old after blaming Will for the, quote, abysmal failure of their movie, After Earth. So effectively, Will Smith and his wife produced this movie, and Will and his son, at the age of 15, act in it, and it's a 60, no, it was a $130 million budget film with M. Night Shyamalan, and it was an all-around failure. It only box office, I think, $60 million. And his son's reaction was, you failed me, Dad. I want to be on my own. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Uh, okay, so let me think about this. A kid that it was born to Hollywood royalty yep. has opportunities and door. I don't want to be in Hollywood, right? I don't think maybe you don't want to be in Hollywood. Maybe you do, but I don't want to be in Hollywood. But I know a lot of people, I've known a lot of people that would give anything, would give an arm and a leg to have the kind of access to Hollywood that this kid was born with, right? Both parents, very connected in the industry. And so the kid wants to bounce because the, his parents basically bought him and his first shot, I mean, his first IMDb, I don't know if it was his first first time he acted ever, but I'm certainly a starring role. So his parents bought him a movie for how much? I think it was $130 million was they, the total budget. They bought him a, 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 an intro to Hollywood for $130 million, and, they, and it doesn't do well. And the kid goes, I hate you, Mom and Dad. I'm out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make myself independent. Yeah, you know, one of this one of the stories I really respected all and I know he's he's a he's a nutter here but he lives in Vegas so it's uh, but it's it's Nick Cage's story cuz you know he's Nick Cage is from Hollywood royalty he's um uh help me out here I don't know No he's a nephew of um I have no oh idea Oh my gosh he's oh, come on Godfather director of the Godfather Coppola Oh okay yeah I think he even had his name he changed his name to Cage because yeah. he wanted to make it in Hollywood on his own. Now that I respect. But yeah. this idea of at 15, and by the way, I mean, just, I, I'm a year away from having a 15 year old boy. And I, and I, and I was at one point a 15 year old boy. And I will tell you that uh, neither my son in a year nor I at 15 uh, were ready to uh, become uh, basically legal adults. So that's interesting. Is he, when did this all come out? Oh, Will Smith just did. This story is just coming out because Will Smith, I think, wrote a memoir, and this is one of the stories he's telling. Oh, and, got it. So yeah. the kid's older now. Yeah, I mean, the movie was like in 2013, but still it's... Did you see the movie? Because I didn't. No, that's why it failed, Sam. Oh, okay. Because you didn't see it? Yeah, me. That would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, M. Night... Uh, what is it, Shyamalan? He's the uh, Shyamalan. Shyamalan, whatever. He's the uh, he's the I see dead people. Yes, he's guy. the infamous scary uh -huh. movie guy. Well, I you know I see emancipated minors. 
I guess could have been a a line in the movie. Oh, I, yeah, I'm not into that. I think that's very I, the, okay. So my bigger take on this is, you know, Will Smith felt heartbroken, you know, as a dad, and I think my dad would have immediately tried to get rid of me if I made that type of statement. Right? Like, I mean, that, I, that's the, the sadder part is that Will Smith feels heartbroken about it, and he really should have put a boot up Jane's butt. Yeah, but this is the pro- – the reason the kid is doing that is because of a parenting style. And the greater, the greater conversation here is – and we, we keep returning to this as a theme – is uh, the kids are not being parented anymore. They're being friended. They're being friended to death by, by people who really should be their parents. Oh, it's an old saying, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, all these parents that want to be friends to their kids, not their friend. I'm their father. And the other F word, and <laughs> I feel very strongly about this. This is a this is a big deal. And so I, yeah, I, I, I think that's a. And look, it's you know, you don't have to be a dictator over your kids, but you definitely need to be. You, you definitely need to be a, a leader in their life because that's what kids need. And, and that's I, how and that's the leadership they need to avoid the situations that we were talking about earlier with the Raiders and those those poor decisions that they made. Well, I mean, sure. Well, sure. I'm going to say this right now. Uh, I, I really believe I really believe that that parenting overcomes a lot of a lot of these bad life choices and going through and you know you, tr- you trace it back and you go did you, did they were they they have parents present in their lives a lot of times no fathers fathers don't let you don't let anybody tell you otherwise you are hugely important in your sons and daughters lives and all this this is critical to our society critical all right I'm, they're yelling at us it's time to end the show all right Listening to Pack the What's your Right Show. <laughs> Packing it up. All right, the What's Right Show. We're going to have Andrew Bennett here from Zero Fatalities, public information officer for the Nevada Department of Public Safety. We're going to have him on tomorrow. Tune in then. What's Right with Sam and Ash, News Talk, AM 840, KXNT.